The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoie Knowles. You're listening to Lead Tennessee Radio. This is not Lavoie Knowles. This is Andy Johns uh, pinch hitting for Lavoie because we are live at the Tennessee Broadband Association Annual Conference here in Franklin, Tennessee, the Cool Springs area. And uh, Lavoie honestly has a lot of things going on right now running the show here. So uh, we wanted to be sure to take time with my guests, uh, who I'll introduce here in a moment. Um, but Lavoie asked me if I would step in and, uh, and do this, so I was happy to. My guest today is Rod Ballard. Rod is a principal at Jackson Thornton's Telecommunications Group and Healthcare Group. As a senior consultant with more than 20 years of experience, he specializes in consulting services such as financial forecasting, diversification studies, budgeting, and strategic planning for telecommunications and healthcare clients throughout the Southeast. Rod, thanks for joining me. Andy, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. If you've listened to any of our other podcasts, we do the Story Connect podcast or the Rural Broadband Today, you know that when we record live at a conference like this, uh, it's not background noise, it's ambiance. So we are here at, at kind of the center of rural broadband in Tennessee this week, and, and a lot of great folks, a lot of great sessions, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good interaction with folks, good to see people in person. And, and Rod, you had one of those. You were, you were leading a discussion, I believe, a few, a few moments ago. Yeah, I sure did. I just got out of a panel discussion with the finance and accounting groups of Tennessee's rural broadband companies, trying to get a handle of what big projects they have coming up and what are they seeing? What are some of the questions that they have as the accountants see the cash flow and the money moving around and the benefits of the labor of deploying broadband? And there's definitely a lot of money moving around, which is what we're going to be talking about quite a bit um, during uh, during this, uh, this podcast. So in that discussion, what were some of the hot topics among the group? And, and obviously, I wouldn't ask you to share anything, um, you know, confidential or set in confidence. But, but uh, I mean, did it have a lot to do with funding and, and new builds or, or funding for maintenance, which I know is something the governor brought up this morning? What were some of the hot topics? Absolutely, Andy. And those were some of the hot topics is uh, the amount of money that's available now has never been... Uh, more sources, higher amounts. This has been the most I've ever seen in my lifetime from federal and state sources. So it's remarkable and it's a time to be paying attention on what what the rules are and trying to influence those in a positive way so we can ultimately increase the quality of life for the people in, in the rural areas, which also indirectly impacts those of us who are in more urban areas. When you think about farming, sure and being more efficient with farming and our food chain. And the list goes on. Uh, there's a lot that happens in the rural areas that really uh, indirectly, in some cases directly, we see the, the cyber attack on meat recently. Right. And, and you think about a local farmer who's maybe off that grid. You know, what a benefit that could be. So uh, the list goes on with the impacts. So, and I will say that here we are in the state of Tennessee at the Tennessee Broadband Association had our governor speak this morning, uh, what a phenomenal difference it makes when the governor of your state is, championing, is a champion of a $200 million investment in broadband, which ultimately I think the state 
uh, Congress has, has come back with $100 million. That's right. still phenomenal. And sure. that, that's a nation-leading charge uh, that he's done in his team. And for him to be here this morning and speak about that in person means a lot to us. And I really hope people will get to hear about that outside of the normal news cycle of the amount of work and dollars that the state of Tennessee is investing back in each of its areas. Definitely. And it's a good one-two punch. I'm sure if you ask a lot of the folks here, if they had to choose between $100 million in funding or having him speak at the convention, they'd probably choose the, the funding. But it's nice, it's nice for, for him to, to be here and, and you know say the things he said this morning about the importance of rural Tennessee, uh, but then also back it up with, with the, the leadership like that. Let's go ahead, and I know you work with several states here in the, the southeast, um, but Tennessee, at least from what I've seen, Tennessee has been kind of a leader um, when it comes to broadband funding that, and, and developing a program that other states have replicated. Yeah, that's correct. Tennessee's absolutely led the way in broadband development in rural areas. And I will say Alabama's done a nice job. Uh, it starts with really learning what the needs are. Rural health care is a significant issue in a lot of places, and broadband can be part of the, the help there. Uh, recruiting and job and workforce is important, and each of the states in the southeast that I deal with very directly have created programs uh, certainly modeled or similar to Tennessee, and more importantly, they're deploying the money. It's not just sitting in the state capitol. It's going out to providers in a logical way so there's not overlap of providers or wasteful, and that's been nice to see uh, across several states. Certainly, and that was something that uh, NTCA uh, Executive Director Shirley Bloomfield talked about this morning as well, so we had a couple of of heavy hitters there. But as you said, um, and I guess we can stick on the state level, um, so the the funding here started um, under the Haslam administration uh, on, on some degree, um, but so it was going here before COVID made it um, one of the hot topics in terms of infrastructure. Um, but how much have you seen around the Southeast? I mean, it seems like that the COVID, all the shutdowns, the, the difficulties caused during the, the COVID pandemic have really opened a lot of people's eyes to the importance of, of rural broadband and the necessity of funding those efforts. Absolutely right. The, the impact of COVID this year on broadband has been something, of course, we could not have really contemplated. And to see the fact that people working from home, kids going to school from home, and those areas that did not have sufficient broadband certainly suffered. And you had companies responding. They would send uh, remote trucks out to try to, to, to bring a, a Wi-Fi signal to a certain area. That, that they were a part of. So it was amazing to see the response, but it certainly highlighted the need and it underscored those of us that have it, uh, how fortunate we were to, to have it during this time. And that recognition is causing broadband to be one of the hottest topics at all levels of government and creating these allocations of money and appropriations of money. And interestingly enough, it's also changing values of broadband providers in a positive way in terms of how much the company is worth. Interesting. So that's been a significant issue, and I'm working on some some projects now that maybe later in the summer will will be known in terms of uh, how those transactions are going. Uh, 
the, the values are higher than I've also seen in my lifetime. So all of that together tells me that if you've got private industry valuing broadband in a certain way and the federal government appropriating funds in a certain way, that broadband's really a big deal, to put it in a, a cliché uh, format. Sure, but that, that's interesting, and we don't have to go too much into that, but it's beyond... I mean, I think everybody would say that people have seen the... Uh, the value of a broadband connection and, and what these companies mean, but um, but you're you're saying even in a dollars and cents quantifiable way, um, it's it's the value that, that's interesting. It's literally translating to, to value and worth of a company. Excellent. Well, you talked about it, and we focused on a state level primarily here. Uh, that's what we do on uh, Lead Tennessee Radio primarily. But let's talk a little bit about the federal side of things because I know that that you're involved in a lot of that as well. The, the energy for um, broadband funding, rural broadband funding, goes well beyond Tennessee and the southeast. There's a lot of attention with, with RDOF, with everything else going on, uh, on a national level as well. Yeah, a- absolutely right. And we've seen that for some time period with say, Rural Utility Service, which is, of course is a part of USDA, and their programs, the ReConnect Grant and Loan Program. And there was a time when some of the maximum grant amounts you could get were $3 million. And now we're talking about you know, 20 40 $50 million. So it's a significant upward change on grant awards. And the programs are coming in every year and being, being reset, reappropriated, which is nice. Then you mentioned RDOF. Uh, that, that reverse auction format was, was unique. Uh, that's gone on a couple of years under different names, like the Connect America Fund, for example. So we'll see what happens with the next round of that type of reverse auction strategy, which is another way of just getting money deployed. A little more complicated, though, than a loan application or a grant application. So everybody's waiting to hear about infrastructure money. Right. And what our federal government's going to do with with the bill. And we know that, of course, it's locked up with a partisan fighting at the moment. So we'll have to maintain uh, our vigilance to see what's going to happen from there. Uh, our guess is is that it will it will come out at some point this year, and there will be some more dollar dollars available. But even if it doesn't, and, then, and even if it's not, the, you know, the CARES Act money, other funding sources that are coming out literally right now um, are significant. And anyone listening who's at a, a telephone provider or you're trying to start up a consortium of some kind to offer broadband in your area. Now was the absolute time to dig in and do your research and and uh, get ready to see if that's something that you can provide. Now's the time. A couple of thoughts there um, as we're going on. One of the things that um, that Shirley Bloomfield has said this morning is that anytime there's that level of um, investment from state and federal, uh, when there are those kind of dollars flowing in, it's going to get a lot of attention. And I think Shirley said this morning it, it was almost a sport for some folks to see where the government dollars were throwing and, and were going and where they could jump in. What kind of uh, a benefit is it uh, in a state like Tennessee where we have a lot of established you know, folks like the members of the Tennessee Broadband Association who have been building communications networks for 40, 50, 60 years to have those kinds of experts already in the field and, and working to be, to be a part of the solution as, you know, as opposed to folks that, that may be um, you know, jumping in or, or don't, don't have quite the experience that this group does. 
That's a great question. And the answer is it is absolutely a benefit to the state that we have so many established broadband providers. So as you indicated in my bio, you know, I'm in our telecom practice, and I've been doing that for about 27 years. And our rural telephone companies have been providing some form of Internet since the 80s. And so that, that piece in and of itself is not new. And then as we get into higher-speed Internet through the 90s and so on, uh, you really see that you've got a group of, of companies that are experts in the field and who, who know how to deploy networks. Fiber networks are, in our opinion, the best type of networks out there, superior to satellite, uh, superior to uh, some sort of wireless uh, network. So uh, we believe that fiber deployment is the way to go, and we believe that you'll, you'll see more and more of that as our companies and our cooperatives get to 100% fiber deployment to all of their, their households and businesses. Excellent. Those are, those are good points. Now, let's get out the crystal ball. I don't, I don't know if you brought your crystal ball with you or not, but one of the things Shirley talked about today was kind of where this goes in the future and, and their maintenance questions. You know, you, everybody's building these networks. What does it look like in a few years when they need some maintenance? Uh, do you think that rural broadband funding is going to be kind of a, a flash in the pan? Uh, you know, one of the speakers this morning said, policymakers, the legislators have kind of a short memory sometimes. Um, do you think this is something where that funding is going to stick around for a while? Or do you think um, do you think it's, it, like I said, kind of a, a hot topic right now that's going to be forgotten once COVID goes away? It's a very significant issue to address. And what we're seeing is with some of the support dollars, uh, there's some guarantees of how long that these funding sources will be available. And a couple in particular, like the RDOF, is another one called the Connect America model. You have a 10-year time frame to um, use some of these investments. And then after that, it's not guaranteed. Some of these other programs, you're, you're getting funding now. You're getting a loan that you'll have to pay back, or a grant You know, is something that you're, you're, you're getting the money for now and you're using now. But the ongoing day-to-day -day operating expenses, you know, 2 a.m., a storm hits, your broadband goes down, do you have to roll a truck? That's an ongoing maintenance issue. So you know, ha having the highest speed internet is not helpful if it's not able to, to stay connected. Someone needs to be out there trimming trees and clearing right-of-way. You know, this is uh, based on you know, technology, so technology changes over time. That means you'll need upgrades on the electronics that are, in, you know, that are uh, installed on either side of the fiber. So when you look at it that way, we know we have ongoing cost. And so there's go always going to be a need for funding. And we believe that through Tennessee Broadband Association and what Lavoie's doing and NTCA with Shirley, that we're sending the message that we need that funding. And so far, we've, we've gotten a good response. We believe that they will work with us based on what we've seen in the past. You know, once again, now, I mentioned um, internet in the 80s, maybe, maybe the late 80s. I had to work on my time frame a little bit sometime on right, dates. Right. But, the, but the, uh, when we started with the internet deployment, you know, this is not a new issue, and they have worked with us in the past. So we're using that to help predict that they will still work with us in the future on funding. Because there's a lot of uh, workforce deployed in rural areas who uh, are required to maintain these networks. As we're wrapping up here, this may be the last thing I have for you, but uh, while we've got you on, just for some folks, uh, obviously some of our listeners are going to be very familiar 
with the broadband business, with the, the business model. Um, there may be some folks who aren't as familiar. So when we talk about this kind of investment, that, that the folks, and whether they're a cooperative or whether they're an independent, talk to us a little bit about that investment timeline or, or that the horizon that, that how long, at, you know, last I heard fiber is um, what, about $20,000 a mile. Yeah. That, sure. That's a lot of $59, $69 a month payments coming back in from folks to, to get anywhere close to, uh, to covering that. So talk to us a little bit about the timelines that most of the folks here at the Tennessee Broadband Association are operating under. Absolutely. This is a long-term business model. And if you think about electric companies, the, the telephone companies that, that our parents grew up with, these are almost like utilities. And this is a, a 30, 40, 50 year business model that we're in. So our communities have come together to, to form these cooperatives and these companies, and, and private investors have come in and risk capital on these companies. Their payback is gonna be over decades. And so it takes commitment to be able to operate this type of business because the funding for these networks are millions and millions of dollars, ultimately. It's very high cost to get a fiber out to a rural location. So it's gonna take longer. And the government funding is, is so critical to be able to, to make these investments. And uh, by the way, uh, these entities uh, go out and borrow money as well. And they risk capital as well to do their share uh, of the investment. So it's not all government money and grants that's being deployed. Uh, this is, these are loans that have been obtained by these companies in an entrepreneurial way to serve their communities. And what we're seeing is that that model has worked very successfully. Uh, we have one of the, uh, the state of Tennessee has one of the best broadband networks anywhere in the world. And that takes money and support to pull that off. So uh, very thankful about, about that. And it's certainly something that uh, we'll keep our eyes on on the future and sure. the funding and get the word out that this is needed. Definitely. Well, uh, that is all that I had that I was going to ask. Is there anything else you've heard or seen at the conference? I know we're only about halfway through, but anything else that's come up that you, you wanted to share or anything we, we didn't get to as we were talking here? I can tell you the biggest thing that I've noticed is the excitement of being back at a live conference. Yes. And the enthusiasm for what these people do on a day-to-day -day basis for their communities. It's amazing. I know a lot of these people saw, I already understood and knew their enthusiasm and passion for it. But seeing it uh, all together with the really tremendous support from our state government and uh, various local communities is amazing to come together and it gives me some optimism that 2022 will be an even better year than 21 and that our industry has a, a, a dynamic trajectory upward and uh, if you want to get involved in broadband now's a fantastic time to do so this is the right time Absolutely. I like that ending on a ending on a high note, ending with some positivity. We could all use a little bit more of that. So thank you, Rod. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it very much. Take care. My guest has been Rod Ballard. He is the uh, A principal with Jackson Thornton's communications, uh, telecommunications group. Thank you for listening uh, to Lead Tennessee Radio. The podcast is produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thanks for listening.